The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. is coming again coming in glory the lamb that was slain Jesus is coming again coming again coming again Jesus is coming of earth tell the vast wandering throng Jesus is coming again tempests and whirlwinds the anthem prolong Jesus is coming again coming again coming
Luke, the 21st chapter. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish. Perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch, and pray. Pray that you will be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. It is really all about Jesus coming for his bride. He has us on a countdown to glory. All of his promises are yes and amen. Life here is temporary. This is not our home. We are aliens and strangers here. Our home is heaven, and Jesus is coming again. Lift up the trumpet. Loud let it sound. Jesus is coming again. Today we see everything spoken of in the Scripture being fulfilled. It is a time of great distress. COVID-19 is simply one of the small birth pangs of the coming of Jesus. Things are about to get a lot more exciting. I want to read for you a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 24. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for the priest as for the people, for master as for the servant, for mistress as for the maid, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste, and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the exalted of the earth languish. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, earth's inhabitants are burned up, and very few are left. The new wine dries up, and the vines wither. 
all the merrymakers groan. The gaiety of the tambourine is stilled. The noise of the revelers has stopped. The joyful harp is silent. No longer do they drink wine with a song, and beer is now bitter to its drinkers. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is barred. In the streets they cry out for wine. All the joy turns to gloom. All gaiety is banished from the earth. The city is left in ruins. Its gate is battered to pieces. So it will be on the earth and among all the nations. As when an olive tree is beaten or as when gleanings are left after the grape harvest. They raise their voices, they shout for joy. From the west they acclaim the Lord's majesty, therefore in the east. Give glory to the Lord, exalt the name of the Lord, for God, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea, from the ends of the earth we hear singing, glory to the righteous one. Verse 18, the floodgates of the heavens are opened, the foundations of the earth shake, the earth is broken up, the earth is split asunder, the earth is thoroughly shaken, the earth reels like a drunkard, it sways like a hut in the wind, so heavy upon it is the guilt of its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. In that day the Lord will punish the powers of the heavens above and the kingdoms of the earth below. They will be herded together like prisoners bound in a dungeon. They will be shut up in a prison and be punished after many days. The moon will be abashed, the sun ashamed, for the Lord Almighty will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before its elders, gloriously. It really is all about Jesus coming again. The judgment upon the earth is heavy, and it's going to grow even heavier. We have murdered in America more babies, more innocent children, than Hitler did with the Holocaust. The Holocaust was horrible. The stories cause us to weep. Elie Wiesel, in reading his account of this horrendous event in history. But I want to tell you, the suffering of the current Holocaust in America by Americans against babies is worse than anything done by Hitler. The child sacrifices, the child trafficking, the child murders, the millions, now between 60 and 70 million babies have perished since Roe versus Wade as a child learning about Anne Frank and the Holocaust, learning about 
Corrie ten Boom and the wonderful work she did in saving Jewish people from the ravages of this wolf, Hitler, and the German authorities. I asked my dad, Daddy, tell me, why didn't the German people stop this horrendous holocaust? His answer was stunning. Yes, Raymond, they knew about it. But they were afraid and did not want to stand up and be counted. Even worse in America, the pastors, the people, the government, we all know the Holocaust against children is taking place. Even in the day of Hitler with the Holocaust, the Washington Post and the New York Times would not run the pictures. They hid the truth. They stood up for Germany. Today, they stand up for the abortionist. They stand up for the murder of our children. Whole generations gone, disappeared, eugenics. Planned Parenthood, one of the most evil organizations on the face of the earth. And we all know that. It's not hidden from our eyes. That's just one small part of the absolute evil that America has perpetuated. Now, we've done much good. I, I love America with all of my heart. I am crushed by its wickedness. The corruption in politics. The taking away of civil liberty. The destruction of our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. These things trouble me greatly. But, oh, my brother, my sister, it's all to be expected. We are in the end times. We are on the countdown for eternity. Jesus is coming again. I look at what's happening, and I weep before the Lord, and I beseech him to forgive our president and our Congress, our senators, our House of Representatives, our Supreme Court. So boldly, they took prayer out of public school. But they didn't take prayer out of the opening of the Senate. They didn't take prayer out of the opening of the Supreme Court. No, they took it from our children. And what has happened? Every kind of evil has, has been found in our school system from witches and sexual perversion, teaching our children things that they should never have been exposed to. Oh, my brother, my sister, I cannot pretend that things are as they should be in America. And I rejoice that Jesus is coming again. I rejoice that we have come to the end of time. And I plead with the Lord to please, please, please forgive. Forgive America. For we've participated in all of the wickedness of the world. I'm asking the Lord, will you bring one more great, preaching of the gospel in America. 
Will you raise up men and women that you have hidden away in many different places, unknown men and women, that you have moved upon in power to discipline and to train? And would you bring them forth now with great power in the power of the Holy Spirit and revival power to announce the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Send Elijah. Men and women who will not hold back, but will blow the trumpet in Zion, that will shout aloud the glory of our Jesus and announce his coming and call men and women everywhere to repent and to turn to the Lord to no longer follow the ways of darkness. But now, I need to turn and become very concrete with you because you are listening to this message. And I plead with you, listen to the whole message. Don't just dip in and then run off to some foolishness. Stay with me. Hear the word of the Lord today to your heart. I turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. One of the most holy chapters in all of the New Testament. Romans, the sixth chapter. I'm going to begin reading for you at verse 9. Knowing that Christ, having been raised out from the dead men, dies no more. That's the confession of every person who calls themselves a Christian. That Jesus was raised from the dead. We've just celebrated the holiday that most church people hold to called Easter. I don't because it's a pagan holiday. Easter means Ishtar, a pagan goddess, a fertility goddess. That's not my Jesus. But we all know Jesus was raised from the dead. Death no longer has dominion over him. For in that he died, he died with reference to sin once and for all. Please understand. The entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is about the fall of mankind, the wickedness of his heart, the destruction Satan has brought upon us, and that we, by our own choices, have brought upon ourselves. And it's a story of how Jesus came to place at the cross his blood that would open a door of redemption for you and for me that we could be made holy, that we could be made like him, that we could be redeemed. For in that he died, he died with reference to sin once and for all, but in that he lives, he lives with respect to God, so also you must think yourselves dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Literally, thinking yourselves means literally to add up. It's an accounting term. It is called, how should I put it? It is Carefully examining, carefully taking inventory of, 
and I urge you to think of yourselves as dead indeed to sin and inventory your life to make certain that there is no part of your heart that is still in any rebellion against Jesus, that every part of your heart has been put in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are not withholding yourself from him for the wickedness of this world because Jesus is coming again. And if you are holding evil in your heart, you will be left out. It is a narrow gate into the kingdom of God. Some have said, it's a wide highway into hell, and it's a narrow stairway into heaven, and few there be that find it. But I don't want you to miss. I want you to join me. I want to go to heaven, and I want to take a crowd with me, and it's about time the trumpet is going to blow, and Jesus is going to split the skies open. I know in my lifetime I will see my Lord return in great power and authority. I want you to be there. Notice. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. Mortal body is literally the body we are now living in. He is saying, look, you must have all rebellion and sin removed from this mortal body. Specifically, he's speaking about what we do with our hands, our feet, our mind, our tongue, every part of our body. Don't give it to the lust of the devil and the lust of the flesh. Notice verse 13. This is Romans six thirteen, And you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. Now I want you to get the picture with me. I have in my past, much to my shame, considered myself to be able to choose to yield myself to Jesus as it fits my desire and to yield myself to the pleasure of the world, even innocent pleasure, as it fit my desire. Picturing me then as somehow an independent operator and I have the right to choose and pick, pick and choose what I want and what I don't want. So if I want to go to the action movie, I can go to the action movie. If I want to go to the prayer service, I can go to the prayer service. Whatever I want to do, I'm a, I'm a free man. I can do what I would like. That's utterly wrong. That belief will take many of you to hell. There is no middle ground. You can't choose to participate in the things of God and the things of the devil and think that you're somehow going to be saved. Yes, wicked men can choose to change their behavior. Wicked men and women can choose 
to stop fornicating. Or they can choose something else based on the idea that it will improve their life. Men and women every day make decisions about their health. They're going to change the way they eat. They're going to cut sugar from their diet. They're going to stop eating certain kinds of foods for their benefit. But that's not describing a person who is saved. That's not describing a person who is a follower of Jesus. They are making those decisions under the concept of self-improvement. I have the option of improving my life. I can go to the club and work out when it's open. I, I need the exercise. It strengthens my body. It clears my mind. All of those are wonderful things. But making those decisions because it's good for me is not Christian. The Christian has a whole nother source. Notice again. Therefore, sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. For you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin. In other words, I get to choose to whom I will yield my body. And in the end, you're not going to be judged on what you feel. You're going to be judged on what you do. Feelings just are. We have to learn how to handle our feelings. But feelings are not right or wrong. They just are there. It's what we do with those feelings that will determine what is right and what is wrong for us before Jesus Christ. We must decide who we will yield our members to. Now please understand, Jesus is coming again. The earth is going to be in great turmoil. We are going to see things this year that will utterly shock us. We're going to see destruction in many parts of the earth. We're going to see volcanoes. We're going to see hurricanes. We're going to see incredible storms wind storms. We're going to see a drying out of the western United States with a great danger of another dust bowl. Crops are not going to be as plentiful as they have been in the past. The price of meat is going to spike in the stores. Famine will come to America. The COVID-19 virus has simply pierced or popped the bubble. And we are going to see poverty like we have never imagined before, as people are unable to pay their rent, or unable to pay their mortgage, and they're forced to leave their homes, and go fill in the homes of family and friends. We're in for a time of great trauma in America. We're going to see going to see earthquakes that will terrify us. We're going to see tsunamis that will wash both co coats, uh, coasts of America. I don't know when. I know they're coming. Oh, my brother, my sister, 
don't even imagine that life is going to go back to normal. Restaurants are closing left and right. Neiman Marcus, one of the greatest department stores in America, is filing for bankruptcy. Many others will follow suit. Products and services will not be readily available. The Lord is clearing the floor so that we can focus our attention on either wickedness or righteousness. The signs of Christ's coming are all about us. Now, some of you say, oh, but wait a minute, these things have to happen before Jesus can come. Let me tell you something. Jesus can come at any moment. He is God. But if these things are to be fulfilled, they can be fulfilled very quickly. Soon we will see, because the groundwork is being now laid, for the Antichrist to come forth. And he will come in great power, and he will dominate the known world. That's what the scriptures say. Now, let's be very clear. All of this is not about the Antichrist. All of this is not about the suffering of the people of the earth. All of this is about Jesus coming again. He said these were the birth pangs that we should expect to see. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is a message to say, get ready. You don't have much time. You could die of the COVID-19, or you could die of one of the many things that are now coming like a train upon the earth. But in the midst of all of that, the word of God to us is, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or many rooms, however you want to translate it. In the Father's house there are many places for you and for me. And I just lift up my voice today and shout, Hallelujah, I'm on my way to heaven. This earth is ending, and I'm getting to see it go through the final struggle before the clouds are split open, and Jesus comes in visible glory where every eye sees him. Oh, I'm not interested in some secret rapture that puts off and pretends that I don't have to be righteous before God. No, no. I want to be ready. Jesus is coming in the clouds of glory. And so he says, Yield. That is, surrender to. That is, make way for. Yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. He's saying, no, but once and for all, yield yourselves to God as living out from among the spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. Many of you listening to this broadcast are not willing to yield the members of your body to the work of Jesus Christ. You think you have other things that you must yield your body and your mind and your soul to. Besides, you see yourself as being independent. You see yourself as being somebody. 
You're not going to lower yourself and humble your heart to serve a brother or a sister. You have work to do. You have a fortune to amass. You have ambition. You're somebody. You're on your way. No, you're not. This thing is crashing. This thing is crashing. And the question is, are you going to crash with it? Or are you going to lift up your hands and wait upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with great joy, knowing that your redemption draws near? Are you going to stand by faith in the midst as you face not knowing how to pay your rent, not knowing how to cover your mortgage, not knowing how to cover that new car you bought just before the crash came? Will you cry out to the Lord God of heaven and will you listen to what he tells you? I know he is going to say one very simple thing. Yield your members to me. Give yourself to the work of preparing the world for the coming of Jesus Christ. Stop giving yourself to trying to fulfill the ambitions of your heart to be somebody. Some of you are are wives at war with your husbands because you refuse to yield your life and humble your heart. And some of you husbands are at war with your wives because you demand to be right. You demand to be listened to, to be respected. No, please hear me. That's not what God called us for. He called for wives to yield to their husbands, and he called for the husbands to love their wives like the Lord loves the church who gave up his life for us. God wants peace between husbands and wives. God wants peace in the workplace. He wants peace in your life, in your heart. That peace comes as we stop yielding our members to works of violence and anger and bitterness and judgment and instead yield our hearts to the Lord God of heaven because he is coming again and we must be ready for him and there is a work to be done. You know, I recognize with this radio broadcast I can't do this work alone. I have yielded this radio broadcast in every respect to Jesus to be a voice to announce the coming of our Messiah, to proclaim the goodness and the kindness and the love of our Lord Jesus, but also to speak to you about your sin and to call you to repent to get ready because Jesus is coming again. This is literally the midnight cry. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Do you have enough oil and are you ready to go out and meet him because he's calling? And so I come. How am I going to maintain this radio broadcast at close to $4,000 a month? I don't have any way to do that. But Jesus does. Jesus will move sovereignly and is even now moving sovereignly outside of me 
to cover the cost of this radio broadcast. He's calling for some of you who have adequate resources or some of you who are willing to sacrifice to keep a straight voice coming over the air in Washington, D.C. It's a small voice. It's an unimportant voice. But it's the voice of the Lord. He doesn't come claiming to be somebody. He comes in humility. And he calls for repentance. And so I come with absolute confidence that many of you will stand with me in the work of the gospel, in the proclamation of the gospel over this city, because you see the wickedness, you see the holocaust against our babies, you see the corruption in government, you see the seduction of politicians, and you hate it. And you want an honest word to go out over this city. Are you willing to support that voice? It's not because of me. I'm nobody. It's because of Jesus and the word of God that must go out over this city to hold it accountable and to call for revival. Will you walk with me in this? Will you walk with me in this? I know the Spirit of God is calling many of you to because already I've heard from many of you this month. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I want to continue reading this passage in Romans, the sixth chapter. And you must not yield your members, verse 13, as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once for all, yield yourselves to God as living out from among the spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Grace is another word for Jesus. We're not under the law. We're under Jesus Christ. We're under the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another passage of Scripture I want you to turn with me quickly to. It's in 1 Corinthians the second chapter. I'm sorry, the sixth chapter. Second Corinthians, first Corinthians, the sixth chapter. I'll get it straight. First Corinthians, the sixth chapter. I'm going to begin with verse nine. Now, this passage of scripture is going to identify specific behaviors and actions of yielding our members to the powers of darkness. Verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know that the unrighteous, called the sinning Christian, they're unrighteous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God? I taught that verse in an Anglican church. And the bishop listened to the recording. And he accused me of preaching heresy. Because I taught that a man could be made righteous in Jesus in reality. Not, not perfect sinlessness. 
but no longer rebelling in any manner with any known sin in your heart. I am far from perfect, and by that I mean I'm still very immature. I think that for the first million years in heaven, I'll still be growing up. I'll still be maturing. I still make mistakes. I still walk in ways that are immature before a holy and righteous God. I fall short of His glory. But what I mean is the same thing Charles Wesley meant and John Wesley meant. I am not walking in any known rebellion against the living God of heaven, and when he shows me something, I quickly repent of it and turn from it. That's what he's called us to. I have the victory, the joyous victory in Jesus Christ. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? You must not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, people who put things ahead of Jesus, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor same-sex activity, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor abusive persons, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And these things some of you used to be, but you washed yourselves, you were made holy, but you were made righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. When you lay down all of your self-determination and you offer your members only to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit makes you entirely new. He makes you holy. But you have to choose to wash yourselves. You have to choose to come to Jesus and say, I ground my sword and my weapons against you, Almighty God. I will no longer agree with the devil. I will agree with you, Jesus. And the stubbornness of my heart has to go. The hard edges of wickedness have to be removed. The bitterness has to be gone. The complaining, the whining, it all has to go. I am responsible before God for my actions because he has given me a means by which they can be transformed into the likeness of my Lord Jesus so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by flesh, not by trying hard, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be made righteous, not just as some say, I'm shy of even using the words, imputed righteousness, no such thing. It's all imparted righteousness by faith, by the power of the blood in the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit ministers to me and regenerates my heart by faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a gift that is given, but it's real. It breaks the bondage of fornication. It breaks the bondage of drugs. It breaks the bondage of 
every sin that could possibly exist in the heart of a human being. This is necessary to prepare us for the sounding of the trumpet that Jesus is coming again. I want you to hear and let it sink into your heart. Terrible times are coming. In fact, we're already in terrible times, but they're going to get much, much worse. But Jesus is coming again, and we're going to celebrate his glory and his wondrous deliverance. I hope you hear today, there's no discouragement in my heart. There's no despair in my being. I have lifted up my heart to Jesus. I have surrendered entirely to him. I have grounded my weapons of rebellion. And I now dwell in my Lord, my Savior Jesus. Now I want you to look with me quickly at verse 18. This is the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians. You must flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a man may do is independent of the body, but the one being sexually immoral sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore you must glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I was crying out to God many years ago. Some 30 years ago, I was on my face. I was crying out to God. I saw no way to survive. I'd been laying on my face for over a month from early morning until late at night, just crying out to God because I was being evicted from the house. The utilities were all being shut off. There was a repo order for my car. I had no food in the house. I was hungry. I was laying before God. I was crying out to Him. And He said to me, He said it audibly, like I'm speaking to you right now, He said, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And oh, I backed right down. I stopped accusing him. I stopped complaining. I stopped moaning and groaning. I said, Jesus, I belong to you. Your spirit is in me. My prayer changed. I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. And at that point, God began to bring such delivery into my life. And I've lived that way now for some 30 years. And I'm now again at that place of saying, Lord, I have no way to pay my rent. I have no way to pay for the radio. I have no way to cover myself. But I'm looking to you, Jesus, and I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what the cost. I said to somebody yesterday, if the Lord tells me, Sell everything you have. Move into the car. I'll do it. Because I'm on my way to heaven. Jesus is coming again. This world is not going to continue as it has been. 
I'm trusting him to bring revival to America. I'm trusting him to change and bring revival to Washington, D.C. It's the very heart of the beast. It's the home of corruption. It's the place where almost everybody is well off. Oh, my brother, my sister, listen to this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit indwelling you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were redeemed with a price. Therefore you must glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to Jesus, my brother. You belong to Jesus, my sister. Stop giving yourself to the devil. Stop offering your members in the service of bitterness and anger and wickedness and uncleanness. Offer your members, your hands, your feet, your mouth, your eyes, your ears. Remember that song, O Little Feet, Be Careful Where You Go. O Little Mouth, Be Careful What You Say. O Give It All to Jesus. I rejoice today, and I lift up the trumpet, and I loud let it ring, for Jesus is coming again. It's really all about Jesus coming for his bride. We are on a countdown right now to eternity, to glory. All of the promises of the Lord are being activated for us. All of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. So lift up your voice and loud let it ring. Jesus is coming again. And he's inviting you first to be a part of that coming. And secondly, to help prepare others to be a part of that coming. I can't think of anything more exciting I can't think of anything that brings more joy to my heart. This is an awesome time to be alive. Yes, businesses are crashing and closing, and the economy is in shambles. They're going to reset the economy. Our dollar is going to disappear. Yes, food's going to be much more expensive. Yes, many will go hungry. But I can tell you, those who are serving Jesus Christ in the midst of their sorrow will rejoice. In the midst of their poverty will be rich. In the midst of their suffering, they will reach out and minister to others and lift others. They will give themselves, self-sacrificing themselves to Jesus Christ. I praise his mighty name. I glorify his mighty name. He is the Lord. He is the Almighty. O oh Lord, I praise your mighty name today. I glorify you. I ask, Lord, today that you would reveal your mighty arm of deliverance for America. I ask that you would send forth righteous men and women to proclaim 
the true gospel of righteousness and holiness, of salvation before your people. Lord, I worship you today. I know there is none like you. I know we are on account down for eternity, for glory. Lord, come quickly. Save your people. As the earth is ravished, as it is broken up, as it sways like a drunkard, Lord, we will not be afraid. We will lift up our heads because we will know that our redemption is drawing nigh. Lord, men's hearts, you said, would fail them for fear of what's coming on the earth. Lord, our hearts are not going to faint with fear. We are going to rejoice because we know you are coming again. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Would you forward this message to another person? Would you subscribe to our broadcast? Would you support us? I need to hear from you. Next week is our last week of this month, and we are long, long, long away from having enough to pay for the month. So would you go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and would you give online? I'm missing many of you who have given in the past. And some of you who've never given, would you go? nationalprayerchapel.com and give online or would you just write a check and mail it to me the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 that's the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 When you give to this ministry, you are giving to the work of the gospel. I pray you care about the gospel. I know you do or you wouldn't have listened. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of Glory.